<clears throat> oh, yes. Yes, Reggie, do you hear the nasal? <laughs> Here we are for the 300th uh, podcast, and my instrument is a little worn and nasaled. <laughs> Don't you know it, right? For posterity. <laughs> All right, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're doing this and uh it'll it'll make it even more special. Remember that uh, remember that podcast number 300 when Jim was all nasal <laughs> and rough? I'll explain what what was going on here. But uh are you ready to go? Good. All right. I will give you the uh the three S's and the countdown and you give me the music and I will give you a podcast number 300. We never counted how many we do. How many have, I wonder how many we've done together. Do you remember when you started at all? It's been a, it's been at least I've been doing this what since 2016. I I think it's been at least 3 or 4 years. Do you remember, Reg? No. I'm glad it's such an important uh, <laughs> important part of your daily work schedule. <laughs> all right, here we go. 300 are you ready? I'm ready. Star, smile, strong. <clears throat> Big 300. Let's go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. Naturally, we are there. But more importantly, it's your job to get out there and spread the word. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast at your favorite podcast. Is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty, that devotion, that little extra effort, oh, it warms my heart. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, go back to hear where we've been, to hear where we're going. Go to WGNRadio.com. Hit the prompt for Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And you will find, I would hope, a majority of the previous podcasts that we've done. By my count, there should be 299 in there. So here we are. Number 300. Podcast number 300 started uh, in May of 2016, and uh, I guess if you go back and trace every week, 300, it, it would be 300 weeks ago. I have not missed a week, even when I have been on vacation or something. I have recorded a couple of podcasts in advance so that every week you have a new podcast. That is my promise to you. Your promise to me has been to listen every week, and my promise to you has been 
to have one every week. Now, of course, long time, long time listeners will know that there is a missing podcast. There is a missing podcast that never aired but was recorded. I believe it was number nine. Number nine. Will it ever be aired? It still counts. Will it still will it ever be posted? You can't use aired. Will it ever be posted? We don't know yet. It is the lost episode. Being a fan of the Honeymooners, you may remember in the 80s, there was uh, a series called The Lost Episodes, Honeymooner episodes before the, uh, the, the, the show was a series. It was a skit, a regular skit on the Jackie Gleason show. And Jackie Gleason had all those in a vault somewhere. And when the Honeymooners had a renaissance in the mid-80s, he brought them out and made a nice little buck off of them. And those were called the Lost Episodes. So I thought, as I started this podcast, I had no idea we would last 300 episodes, that's for sure. And I thank you for that, for listening and being so loyal. Uh, But I never thought I would get to this point. And um, so I thought it would be cool to do a lost episode, a, a missing episode, if you will. And I and I announced it, but I have never yet posted it. So that may just be one of the mysteries of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Will it ever be posted? Who knows? Maybe like the Beatles Get Back film. Maybe 50 years from now. <laughs> It will be it will be unearthed. <laughs> I apologize at the outset for my instrument. Listen to this. Oh, I am clogged. I am hoarse. Oh, it's terrible. For the three hundredth episode, of course, I have to sound like this. So I apologize, but um, I was in a play, and I believe that that's the. The cause for this. I do not have COVID. I was worried about that, to be honest. I have tested three times and I have come back negative. So I just, I have a cold. Remember those? <laughs> and I think I got a cold <clears throat> because I was recently in a play. And a part of the play process, you know, you rehearse two or three times a week, and that's fine. But then when you, about a week before the show is supposed to open, that's called Tech Week, or in some areas it's called Hell Week, because you are now putting this whole thing together. You've been rehearsing, and uh, you know you've been maybe rehearsing Separate scenes not in order. You've been not rehearsing in costumes. You may be rehearsing at a different location as opposed to the theater itself. Maybe you've been rehearsing in a practice space, which we were doing. We didn't get into the actual theater 
where we were going to perform until this that, that week before. So it's very different. You have to get used to the sets for the first time and navigating those because for the most part in a in a practice space you've got chairs and tables but you don't have levels there aren't doors and and a lot of the the sets and and your blocking is blocking is called where you go where you move where you sit where you stand at certain points and in many ways when you get onto the stage you have to change even though you've been rehearsing it one way once you get to the stage itself you have to alter some things because as i said now now you're you're dealing with the stage you'll be on the space that is there the set that takes up space the door the windows the table whatever you have to navigate so it's very tedious it's very time consuming because you're almost starting from scratch even though you you've been rehearsing you're almost starting anew in many ways and so it takes a long time, and it's every day. There's no days off. You know, usually when you rehearse, you do it maybe three times a week, maybe four. But with um, with Tech Week, with Hell Week, if you will, you basically, for the most part, start the week before you are planned to open so that you can... You know, then wear your costumes. That's a whole different thing. How do you fit? How do they fit? How do you move in them? So it's all the fine little details that you have to begin to to tighten up before you actually do the show. And so the problem with that is it, it, it's, it's a necessary evil, but you get run down. You know, you're there probably five or six hours a night, a day and you're run down and so that's the irony is that you you do this every day to get all this stuff ready to go and then when the show starts you're kind of tired <laughs> you're kind of run down and i'm sure that and then so we did hell week tech week we had three performances so that was about you know nine ten days in a row of of doing this and and working on this and spending long hours and long evenings and getting home late and trying to get some sleep and then doing it again the next day and doing it again the next day and doing it again the next day and it's not um <clears throat> it's not strange for you to actually when it's over to get sick because your resistances are down your immune system has been has been compromised. You've been pushing yourself so hard. So, no, I did not have COVID, thankfully. We were very um, we were very uh, diligent in wearing masks all through the, re- the rehearsal pro- uh, process, which started back in late November. And even during the show, while we did not wear masks during the show, we did wear masks once we got off stage, backstage. And then took them off when we went on again. So there were many uh, protocols and uh, and processes in place in order to do the best we could to make sure that uh, that no one got COVID. Now, sadly, a few people did get COVID after the show was over. And who knows when they had it? 
They were showing symptoms literally the day after, the night, the next day. So that's why I took a few tests. Um, and I was a little paranoid because all of a sudden, well, I didn't have a fever. I was feeling a little tickle in my throat. And uh, and now you hear the <laughs> you hear the result of that. But I'm more congested. I just have a cold. I think so. I, I, who knows? Obviously, my resistances were down. It's been cold outside. <clears throat> Excuse me, around a lot of people. But thankfully, nothing more serious than that. So uh, for the for the 300 episode, this is what I sound like. <laughs> So please bear with me. I am trying my hardest because I certainly did not want to. I haven't missed one week of podcasts, and I didn't want to miss the week of 300. So uh, if I sound like Froggy from the Little Rascals, and you can Google that, uh, this I guess that's what's going to make episode 300 even more interesting. Not only about hopefully what we talk about, but um, the way I sound it. <laughs> and hopefully by next week this will all be cleared away so bear with me my instrument is certainly less than uh, perfect but uh i'm a fighter and so uh you're here and so then so am i if you're coming here every week so am i so thank you once again and welcome to 300 people were asking me what are you gonna do for 300 what are you gonna do for 300 you have to do something special and I was debating what to do for 300. Should I make a big deal about it? Or should I just go about my business like, hey, 300 means that now we're on to 350 or 400. Who knows? You know, like I said many times about Walter Payton, hey, got to do 300 to get to 350, right? So just act like you've been here before. But I figured, I thought that uh, for 300, it might be, Interesting for you to hear because something cool happened to me a few weeks ago. So I thought I would save this story and it's a very special story for me. And so I thought it would be fitting to, um, to talk about for 300. We all love, uh, as I said, we love to acknowledge any number with a zero or a five after it. So this is 300, two zeros. So, um, if you're on my Facebook page, you may have seen this, but if not, maybe you don't know. I was uh, also talking about it on uh, the radio with Dean Richards a few weeks ago. Obviously, this um, podcast is called Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Elton Jim is my nickname, has been since 2007 on the radio. Captain Podtastic is a takeoff of Elton John's album and my favorite of his albums, Captain Fantastic. But as you know, if you're a regular listener, I don't talk about Elton all that much. Certainly not every week. This is not an Elton John-themed podcast. But since I'm using my radio name, Elton Jim, I thought it would be a good idea to... um, to have an Elton John related name for it as well. So Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. So the uh, about a couple weeks ago if you if you follow any of what I talk about on a regular basis and I've talked about it here before, 
I have been um, I've been going to Elton John concerts since 1976. It was my first concert in Chicago at the Chicago Stadium. Went with my mom. I was 12 years old. It was Elton's probably biggest tour in terms of popularity at that time, if not forever. Uh, he was at the top of his game in 1976 and had this huge U.S. tour. And there were some dates in Britain as well, but it was huge here. He's playing stadiums and multi-nights. In Chicago, he played four nights. He could have played five, if not more. In New York, he played seven, which at that time was a record. I mean, everybody was just Elton John crazy in 1976. And that was the first show I went to. So I've got some great memories. And I never would have thought that uh, decades later, after that first show, that I would go to at least 200 and counting. Never would have thought that. Um, it's a lot of concerts. It's a lot of years, right? I mean, it's 46 years, 46 years of, uh, of going to Elton John concerts, 200 shows in 46 years. So what is that? Uh, maybe three shows a year for 46 years on an average, (laughs) Maybe three and a half. I've never walked out, so it wouldn't be three and a half. <laughs> but um, so I've been going to Elton John concerts. Uh, I've just, I'll never forget, and I've told this story, I believe, and I, I won't tell the whole thing now, but um, the first concert I went to, it was just, I mean, I was 12 years old, and Elton John only existed to me uh, on album cover pictures or magazine pictures or. Uh, you know, some television appearances, and and there he was live. And when he came out, I just got goosebumps. It was it was so amazing to see this guy that I had been a fan of for the last three years, and I had posters all over my room and and t shirts and everything. But there he was, living and breathing, running around, singing and playing, right there. And I just remember I got goosebumps. I got I just got the shakes, and. 200 concerts later, when he comes out and starts, I still get that euphoric feeling. I still get those goosebumps. And so I've always said that as long as I keep getting those goosebumps and as long as Elton keeps performing, I will keep going. So I've been going to a lot of concerts around the world, throughout the United States, in foreign countries. I've seen Elton in... The UK, in London, in places and throughout the UK. I've seen him in Prague. <laughs> uh, I've seen him through from coast to coast, north to south, east to west here in the United States. And uh, some of the most prestigious concert halls I've seen him perform, Carnegie Hall. In New York, Albert Hall in London, the Royal Opera in London, uh, Madison Square Garden in New York, the old Chicago Stadium here in Chicago, um, in L.A., uh, 
you know, at the uh, where did where did I see him perform in L.A. at the Greek Theater? And uh, I haven't seen him at the Hollywood Bowl, unfortunately. I wish he would go there. I'd love to see him there. I will be seeing him at Dodger Stadium this year for his final U.S. show of his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. But so I, it's just been a, it's been a, an amazing odyssey. It's added a rich, a rich texture to my life. It's allowed me to travel. It's allowed me to meet people around the world. And it's allowed me to feel those goosebumps, to to follow my passion. I, don't, I, I really can't tell you why Elton John and his music have played such an important role in my life, but they have. And going to see him perform is the ultimate. Well, he has scores of hit songs. His music is always on the radio. In my view... Unless you see Elton John live, you've never really you don't you really don't get it. It's very similar to Bruce Springsteen. You can listen to Bruce Springsteen's albums, but when you see him live, then you understand why there's that devotion, why there is that almost disciple kind of uh, cult following. And it's the same thing with Elton. The irony is that in Elton's music, his piano is not really as prominent as you'd think it is. But when he plays live, his piano, he's playing that thing for two and a half hours and he has complete mastery of it and it's a, it's a, it's a sight to see. And when he's gone, no one will be playing the, the piano like that. You'll never hear that sound again. And so for me, I want to get, I want to take in as much of that as I can. And I have. And so... In October of 2010, right, 12 years ago, in October of 2010, I decided to count the number of Elton John concerts that I had been to at that time. I saved all of my, all of my ticket stubs, and so I decided to count every concert I went to and I was surprised to see that in 2010 at that point I had been to 126 126 shows and in 2010 I was 44 years old right is that right I think so. Right? Ten. <laughs> I don't know how old I was, um, but yeah, I think I was. Right. <laughs> so I was saying to myself, you know, 126 shows. If I go to 24 shows in the next six years. I can get 150 shows by the time I'm 50. And it's got a nice little ring to it. I'm a former PR guy, you know. And so uh, I was like, yeah, you know, let me, let me, you know, Elton was touring quite a bit around the country, around the world. He was also um, 
had a residency in uh, in Las Vegas. And so I was like, you know, I could really do this. You know, I could really do this. I can do I can go to four shows a year for the next six years and, and get 150 by 50, right? By my birthday, by January 8th, 1964. Well, that was when I was born. You know, by 2014. So, uh, okay, no, I was 46. Wait a minute, it's the other way around. I was, I'm sorry. I was 46 in, tw- wait, yeah, in 2010, I was 46. So four years to get 24 shows. So six shows a year. I could still do that. I didn't do, I didn't do well in math, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for not having this written down. But um, hey, I'm sick. <laughs> so yes, four years to get 24 shows, to get to 150 shows, by 50, one, 150 by 50 was my goal. And so off I went. Many shows in Las Vegas, and he had several runs there, but other shows around. And I was trying to figure out if I can get to 150 by 50. And sure enough, and as luck would have it, on November 30th, 2013, I actually did it before my 50th birthday still you know month and a half before i achieved that goal of my 150th show by by the time i was 50 it was before 50 just about almost 50 years old and as luck would have it it was in chicago where i f- saw my first show and it was in the same building where i saw my third show at the uh, Allstate Arena, formerly the Rosemont Horizon. I first saw Elton there in 1980 in September. So, this is what happened when I, 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 I flashed a sign to Elton, and this is what happened. There's somebody here, Jim, has been on 150 shows. Did he on the 50th birthday? Well, amazing. He's a regular face, 50 how cool is that from the stage elton thanked me for going to 150 shows thank you jim so that was very cool and i was you know in my hometown and couldn't ask for more so that was very cool and uh, I was just in shock that that even happened, you know. And so uh, now I was on my way. I, I got my 150 by 50. And well, then the goal was, well, now what? As I said to you before, there's no, as long as he's playing, I'm still going. 
So I said, well, now I got to get 200 shows, right? I got to do 50 more shows. And so that was my next, you know, little goal was to see if I could get 150 shows. And I was hoping, you know, to do that in a short period of time. But, uh, you know, life gets in the way. And then the pandemic hit. And so I was, you know, on my way, on my way. Some cool things happened since then. I should say before I go on, um, I've had some neat things happen at Elton John concerts. In 1982 at Poplar Creek in July, on July 10th, I got up to the front of the stage and I got one of Elton's towels. He threw a towel into the crowd, and I caught it. And I still have the Elton towel. So, my gosh, that now is 40 years. That will be 40 years this year. I have a towel that's 40 years old from an Elton John concert. And um, in 1989, I got my first Elton John autograph at a concert at Poplar Creek again. And that was, uh, I believe it was in August in 89. And I brought this Elton John pillow that I bought in the 70s because I said to myself, I want to get something, I want to get something that he will see, you know, because if he just, you know, hand him, you know, program or something, he just passes by. But he sees a cool item, he'll sign it. And so I brought this pillow with me to the concert. I had tickets toward the front and. I've told this story before, and then uh, between a few songs, I would go up by the lip of the stage and hold up the pillow and, and yell, Elton, and he didn't really respond. And then finally, one time, he turned his head, because I really yelled it loud, and he turned his head and looked, and he saw the pillow, and he saw the marker, and he walked across the stage and came and signed it. And that was very cool. The people in my section were like, he signed the pillow because they saw me going up and back and forth and not getting it signed. And then they finally saw it. So that was kind of cool. Still have that autograph. Still have that pillow displayed. So then, of course, uh, and I've been in many Elton John uh, videos and DVDs at concerts. The most prominent, if you ever get a chance to watch um, Elton John from Madison Square Garden, which was recorded in 2000 i'm shown throughout that and most prominently during the song i guess that's why they call it the blues with mary j blige he does a duet and i'm mouthing the words and they got me full screen very cool so i've had some interesting uh you know moments in vegas um during his million dollar piano tour um, during Saturday Night's Right for Fighting, they they let, if you were in the first two or three rows, they let you up on stage for a song, for, for Saturday Night's Right for Fighting. And uh, you stand right, stand right around the piano. I mean, it's like he's playing in your living room. And so I had many little close encounters with him 
giving him high fives. And I was there on one of the one of the Cubs uh, World Series games. And Elton's a big baseball fan. And when the Cubs were in the World Series in 2016, I was in Vegas for one of the shows, and I brought a Cub hat with me, and I put it on the uh, on the piano, and he smiled. And then I brought my the glasses of his that I own, and I put them on the, the, the piano and or wore them, and he saw them and kind of nodded and smiled. So we had some very cool close encounters, and I took some photos of – I was at some really cool shows where his sons came, and um, a picture that I took of – of Elton and his sons in Las Vegas at one of the shows I went to appeared in his book, in his autobiography. I have a photo credit in Elton John's hardcover book. So um, I've had some really cool experiences. It's been very neat. I've been very lucky. I've put a lot of effort in. It doesn't come without a price, <laughs> monetary as well as physically. been to a lot of airports, a lot of bad hotels. A lot of cabs, a lot of uh, road trips. It's um, it's a it's a job to do this, to go to so many concerts, uh, you know, in so many um, in so many towns around the world, certainly around the country. But I have never regretted a moment of it, and it got me off the couch, as I've said many times. It's it's allowed me to. You know, travel and see places that I never would have gone and, and, and meet people I never would have met. And I've met some of my best friends now who are Elton John fans who I never would have met if I hadn't entered this little world. And um, so it's been quite an odyssey. And then, of course, uh, I've played this before, but uh, it's probably worth uh, mentioning since we're talking about cool moments so i got my first shout out on july 30th or on november 30th 2013 for my 150th show and then uh i got uh, this surprise there's so many people there tonight, here tonight who are my friends there's one person i want to dedicate this song to because i've been talking about you guys in there this guy from Chicago has been to so many shows. He's one of the loyalest fans of the world. I've never dedicated this song to him, but tonight I'm dedicating to this to Jim Toronto. This is you. Oh. How cool is that? That was at Madison Square Garden on October 19th, 2018, dedicating a song to me. And ironically, one of my favorites, if not my favorite Elton John song, might be don't let the sun go down on me. So even more. But to have that in have that done in New York, completely shocked, completely surprised, had no idea he would do that. Very special moment. I still get goosebumps and can't believe that that happened. And um so I figured, you know, that's that's you know, you, 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 what more can what more can you do after that, right? I mean, jeez. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You're not going to see too many. You know, he doesn't really dedicate a lot of songs to, uh, you know, to fans like that. And uh, after so many years, as I said, that little kid who went with his mom when he was 12 years old in 1976, you know, to have that 
you know, 42 years later. Wow, that was really a, a special moment. So I, I was on my road to 200 shows, right? It was the next milestone. We like we love numbers with zeros. So I did 150 on November 30th, 2013, and continued to see shows. You continued to, to have this residency in, in Las Vegas and continue to tour. And then he announced in 2018, in September, this farewell tour, which would have shows all around the country and around the world. And so I knew that I could, I could reach this, this milestone. The shows would be there. In November of 2019, my wife and I went to a show in Boston, show number 197. And I was there with a few friends who live in Boston, Elton fans, and we were talking about it. I said, yep, well, I've got, you know, 198, 199, and 300 or 200. We got three more to go. And I already had the tickets in hand. And the way it was going to be set up, I would be seeing my 200th show once again in New York City and in Madison Square Garden, where that's his favorite venue. So I thought that's fitting. And he did dedicate the song to me there. So, you know, it's a nice symmetry, even though Chicago would be cool because it was where I first saw my first show. It's my hometown. But, you know, New York is New York, right? Madison Square Garden. So that was the goal. I had it all set up, had the tickets, and just was waiting until April of 2020 for that show to come. That's when it would have been. Well, (laughs) much to my surprise, a pandemic came. And the funny thing is, After the 197th show in Boston, we were talking with our group. And my wife just casually said, what if you don't make 200? You're so close. But what if Elton stops touring? Or what if what if something happens and you don't get to 200? And it was like, oh, oh, how silly. What are you talking about? There's 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 this tour of, you know. Totally, there's got 150 more shows to do. Of course, he's going to keep touring. And, you know, I mean, aside from anything catastrophic, catastrophic health wise, but, uh, <laughs> well, March 12th, 2020, we know what happened. The world shut down, and so did everything else, and so did Elton's tour. And so, Elton did not perform for more than two and a half years. (laughs) Well, about two years. Because uh, he finished in, uh, I believe it was just about early, late February, early March of 2020 in Australia. And then, and that's when his tour was ending for that leg. And then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. So I was stuck from November 2019 at 197. 
wondering, I had tickets in hand, but wondering where and when I would continue my my goal of getting 200 shows. And there were there were postponements and reschedulings a few times. And then when the shows were rescheduled, they were now in a different order. So I had the tickets, but now the shows were not in that same order. So now it was clear that I was not going to get number 200 in New York. So, in fact, the first shows now were going to be two shows in Chicago. But those would be only 198 and 199. So I had to decide. And then, you know, so he started the tour in, in January of 2022 this year in New Orleans. And he did a couple of shows and then he got COVID. And they had to cancel a couple of shows and he had to be in isolation. And so I'm like, when is this going to happen? Are those shows in Chicago going to happen in early February? Because these late January shows were canceled or postponed again. But with protocols and everything else. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so clogged. <clears throat> really fighting my way through this, folks. Um, I decided to. Uh, you know, I'm going to go to these shows, right? Even though it was a 20,000-seat arena, you had to show Vax cards, you had to wear a mask. It was a little risky, but I had the tickets, and I had to get to 200. So that day of the first show on February 4th, 2022, I went to the store and bought some cardboard, and I was at the kitchen table, and my wife says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm making my sign. And she rolls her eyes, and I said, you know, I said, I got to make my sign for to let out know that I'm back. It's been two and a half years, but I'm still here, still coming. And I'm at this, close to this 200 plateau. So I made this sign that just said, concert number 198, Jim Toronto. And she kind of rolled her eyes like, oh, geez. And so uh, I'm like, well, in the way that I viewed it, I mean, after, as I said before, after he gave me this dedication at Madison Square Garden in 2018, I was not expecting anything. The way I viewed this, 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 this sign that I was going to flash him during the concert was more, from my standpoint, like passing a note to a friend in school. You know, just like to let him know, hey, hey, Elton, I'm here, still here. That familiar face you keep talking about, he's still here. And by the way, show 198, pretty cool. And I just was looking to tell him that, you know, convey that to him some way. So the only way I could is, you know, through this sign at a concert. So I got up to the front of the stage and I had my little rolled up sign i didn't want to keep flashing it during the show and block people's view i was pretty confident i could get up to the front of the stage and i would just show it to him while he was right there he could read it very clearly and so uh i 
at one point I opened it up and this woman next to me who was either taking pictures or recording, she goes, put that sign down. You're blocking everybody's view. And I wasn't really blocking her view, but so I rolled it up and I said, okay, I know there's a spot toward the end of the show where he's going to make a costume change and he's going to come up these stairs and he will be right. You'll be facing me square and I'll just put the sign on the stage so I won't be blocking anybody and I will let him read it, you know? So sure enough, he went for the, went off stage for his encores and he changed and he walked up these stairs. I knew he was going to walk up. That's what you, that's what you know when you go to enough shows, you know, you know the routine and I flashed the sign and as he got up the stairs, I saw him read the sign. He kind of stopped for a second and read the sign, but he didn't make any acknowledgement at all. He didn't nod, he didn't point, he didn't smile, he didn't, you know, give me a thumbs up, nothing. I saw him read the sign, definitely, sort of put his head down a little in focus, so I saw him read it. And then he just walked to the piano, and he played your song, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. I know he saw it, and as I said, I was just trying to convey to him, I'm still here. I'm still coming. It's been two and a half years, and I'm back where I belong, right, at an Elton John concert. And it was just kind of a moment between the two of us. I wasn't looking for any kind of public acknowledgement at all. It was just my way of saying, hey, Elton, it's 198, and I'm still standing. I'm still here. So he finishes your song, and then he starts reminiscing about Chicago. Uh, This is the farewell tour. Um, He had a show this night, another one the next night on February 5th. And he'll be coming back to Chicago in August for a show outdoors at uh, Soldier Field. But these are his final shows, at least in theory. He may perform again and do residencies, but he may come back to Chicago. Who knows? It is one of his favorite cities. He's played here, as he said, now, 51 times, which is a, a very significant. I think he's played in New York 70 sometimes. but he's so, and so Chicago is one of the cities he's played the most. He's played in Illinois 71 times throughout the state. So Chicago and Illinois loves Elton John. Always has. So I was like, okay, whatever. He didn't, you know, give me a smile or a, acknowledgement but that's fine i know he saw it filed it away whatever so after he finishes your song he starts reminiscing and says this is my 50th show talks about some of the moments he had in chicago playing ridley field and his first show was at the auditorium theater in 1970 and then much to my surprise amazing remembers like that so many familiar faces in the audience. Jim Toronto down here has been to 198 shows all around the world. I see him everywhere. And that kind of loyalty you can't, you know, when you see a face that you know and you're in a kind of foreign place, 
it really helps you. So, Jim, thank you for everything. And for everyone else that I see in the audience that I recognize, you've been amazing. Well, I was blown away by that. It had been, what, now four years, three and a half years since the last kind of shout out. And then he says this in my hometown, in Chicago. Uh, some people even recognized my name. They were clapping, which was very cool. And at the United Center, which was across the street from where the old Chicago Stadium used to be, where I first saw him in 1976. Of course, the old stadium has been knocked down. But it's in that same area, that same community, that same vibe. And so that was, to me, wow. In my hometown, 198 and such a it was a, it just seemed like a very uh moving and touching and sincere shout out and little statement and a thank you and once again it made all the airports and all the cabs and all the road trips and all the hotels all worth it to just be acknowledged by that by someone who you admire and who's been such a major part of your life and so, wow, I was uh, really just taken aback. Now, I went back and counted. I have been to 38 of the 51 shows he's played in Chicago. Uh, he played quite a few shows in Chicago from 1970, between 1970 and 1976. But from 76 on, I've seen every Chicago show. Well, I shouldn't say that because... I only saw one. He had a four-night stand um, in 76. I only saw one of those. I was 12. I didn't think about going to four shows at that time. <laughs> Back then, you just think you go to one, right? That would be enough. But as I said many times, I when I'm into something, I go full in. I just don't dip my toe in. I, I, I dive in. I'm, I'm fully enveloped. So I, I should probably recount that. I didn't probably see every show. Um, but uh, it's it's significant. Certainly, it's more than half. That's for sure. So that was very cool. And uh, I had after the show, people came up to me, and uh, and afterwards, people said, "Oh, we heard the shout out," and I put it up on on my Facebook page, and it was very cool, very neat. And once again, thank you, Elton, for that. I I never would have, but it was it was very it was very um, little tricky of him. It was very cheeky of him because he made no, you know, he made no acknowledgement when he saw the sign. But when he saw that sign, he must have said to himself, well, I'm going to say something, but I'm not going to let on. So how cool was that? You know, he, he it sounds like he feels like at least he he literally was thinking about that. Like, oh, I'll I'll mention that later and he'll get a kick out of that. So. I have met Elton four times. The last time has been 20 years. It's been a long time since I've had any kind of, you know, one-on-one face-to-face time with him like that. But certainly the shout-outs from the stage have happened over the last, uh, you know, 10 years. And it's been very cool. It's been very cool. And as I said, it, it makes all the effort and all the loyalty and all the you know, all the admiration, all the more worth it. I, I'm glad to know that I picked, when I was a 12-year-old kid, when I was nine years old, when I first became an Elton fan, 
I'm glad I picked a, a quality guy, not just musically, but personally. He's just a neat guy. And by singling me out like this and acknowledging that, you know, that, that to me, that's, that, that's something that every performer does. And uh, it takes a special person to, to realize the, what that would mean to me. For him, it's just whatever. But hopefully it's not that as well. I, I think he, if you hear that clip, I think he's genuinely sincere in his, his thanking. And so um, it, was an, it was a special moment that we shared in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> and so the next night I was there for 199. I did not bring a sign that time. Because I'm like, okay, enough with the signs. You know, 199 is whatever. But I was up near the front of the stage, and he did see me. But, you know, we didn't, he didn't say anything. And I didn't expect it, and I wasn't expecting anything. So then I had a ticket to a Detroit show. But I was like, you know, should I just not use it? Should I try to sell it? And then make New York 200 and the New York shows are actually in another this week, like a couple of weeks after that, in February of 22nd and 23rd. So I was like, well, you know, I could wait. And so then 200 will be in New York. So I'll try to sell that ticket or something for Detroit because, as I said, all these shows were rescheduled and all the dates were different than they, I, I initially had them plotted. But then I got a little paranoid because, you know, he caught COVID, he canceled some shows, and I'm like, you know, Detroit is very close to Chicago. The next concert after Detroit is not for two weeks in New York, and who knows what can happen? What if those shows get canceled? So I said, I'm not waiting. I'm going. I, you know, I, I, I got this amazing shout out in Chicago for 198, and once again, the the Walter Payton view. So 200, yes, a big deal. But you know what? I've got tickets for more shows after that. You got to have 200 if you're going to get to 210, right? <laughs> so I just want to make sure I get 200 so we can get this this over with. This waiting and. And this, who knows if there's delays with COVID and anything else. So let me just do it. Detroit's close enough. I've got a ticket. Let me just go. So I went to Detroit. Little Caesars Arena. And Detroit is a cool town in Elton history, in case you don't know. So it was a, it was a kind of a special show in that Detroit is where Benny and the Jets really broke as a single. They were going to release Candle in the Wind, the original version, off of Goodbye Elbrick Road as the next single. However, some R&B and black stations in Detroit were playing the album cut of Benny and the Jets. And it was getting popular in Detroit. So much so that it was right going up the charts on the R&B charts. And Elton is a major Motown fan, and he's like, okay, 
if that's happening, then put Benny and the Jets out. Well, Benny and the Jets became a number one song, one of his signature songs. And it was such a big song in Detroit that the Detroit Piston basketball team adopted it as their theme song for decades. So being in Detroit for Elton is very cool. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a major fan and friend of Aretha Franklin, also from Detroit. So I'm like, you know what? Detroit's a cool town for Elton. And so this 200 is, is it'll be fine. It'll be cool. Now, I did bring a sign because it's 200, right? It's 200. So I brought my sign again. And uh, I got up to the front. Same time. Same bat channel. Same time to show him the sign. And once again, he didn't respond. And I, you know, when he saw the sign, and I figured, okay, no big deal. I'm not in my hometown. You know, how many of these shout outs can he keep giving me? <laughs> right? But once again, I just wanted him to know that it was show number 200. So, but he didn't acknowledge it. Once again, same time of the show in between. Your song and Goodbye Old Brick Road, which is the last song of the show. He starts doing the same thing now, reminiscing about Detroit. How many shows he's played there, where he's played. He talked about the whole Benny and the Jets, you know, story about how Detroit made that song. It broke that song, made it a number one song. And then he says, he talks about the fans and the loyalty, and he goes, well, there's a guy down here from Chicago, Jim Toronto, who's been to 200 shows. So thank you, James. And I never expected that. I don't have that audio. I'm trying to find that. Hopefully I can get that audio. But uh, So he acknowledged number 200, and I was shocked again. And I joked, I, I, I know one of the band, a couple of the band members, and I joked in an email, I said, well, I'm expecting now to get just announced during the band introductions. This is becoming a regular part of the show now. I'm being acknowledged at every show. <laughs> but um, so that was February 8th, 2022, was number 200. And was also significant because that's my dad's birthday. So I thought of my dad on that day. When I th- so I actually have thoughts now of both my parents associated with going to Elton concerts. My mom took me to my first Elton John show on July 27th, 1976, when I was 12. We went together. And then 46 years later, on my dad's birthday, I saw my 200th show, and Elton acknowledged me from the crowd. So it's crazy how these little weird coincidences happen. We can plan them. We cannot plan them. We don't know why they happen. But uh, as I have said, and I will say again, uh, I still have tickets. I have about five or six more concerts to go to. And when this tour ends somewhere down the road and it will end if he continues to perform i will go there you know health his health you know permitting or if he just wants to stay home and retire but i've always said as long as elton is playing 
I'll be going. And as long as I keep getting those Elton goosebumps, I'll be going. So it's been an amazing life journey. Elton's music, going to his concerts and being a fan. I've met so many people. I've done so many things. Uh, Far too many to mention here. I probably should write a book because I've had a lot of unique experiences associated with Elton or being a fan of Elton. And uh, I never would have expected that when I was this nine-year-old kid who bought Crocodile Rock on a seven-inch vinyl single for the first time. Still have that single, by the way. And here we are, you know, almost 50 years later, still a fan, still passionate, haven't lost an ounce, of, in fact, more of a fan probably than ever now that I've had these little close encounters with him and he's acknowledged me. It's just really made it a very special kind of thing as this tour and his career winds down. So let me just say thank you, Elton, for living up to and exceeding the admiration and respect and passion I've had for your music and the respect that I've had for you as a person. You have entertained me, you have influenced me, and you have added Many, many life memories and made my life a unique and fun experience. And so for episode 300 of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, I think it was fitting to talk about Elton since the podcast is kind of named after him. And so I hope you enjoyed number 300. And as I've said many times, we'll be back for 301. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, anyone who listens to a podcast at your favorite podcast. Is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 300. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Oh, my voice is finally gone.